The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Last week I was asked the question, well, Pastor, how do you handle conflict between two Christians that is not necessarily owing to any sin? What if we just have disagreement that we're really passionate about our side and we disagree, but it's not because of sin? How do we handle this? Well, you know, I thought that was a great question and I thought it might be helpful for me to address that today. And I can think of no better text to go to than Acts chapter 15. And to look at two great men of God, Paul and Barnabas, and to just kind of unpack a disagreement that they had that actually caused them to part ways. And I love looking at men of God in the Bible, women of God in the Bible, who we kind of tend to put on a pedestal at times. It's helpful for me to know that they still struggle too. Aren't you glad to know that you're not the only one who struggles from time to time in this Christian walk? So that being said, I hope you have your Bibles. Turn to Acts chapter 15, and I'd invite you to stand as is custom in our church for the reading of the Word of God. I begin reading in verse 36. The Bible says, After some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the Word of the Lord and see how they are. And now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been committed by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And this is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. And we know today that conflict in a fallen world is inevitable. But Father, I pray today that through your word we would learn to handle conflict in a God-honoring way. Lord, I pray that somebody here today would know that bad decisions that they've made, that, that things, choices that they've made, they may be on the, have stepped off onto the wrong path, but God, I pray today that they would know that their story is not over. You are a God who restores and redeems. And Lord, I know that my words in and of themselves are not effective. I need your anointing today, so I pray that I would drip with anointing, Father, that I would be saturated by your presence and that I would rightly divide the word of truth and give us ears to hear today. Remove every distraction that we may hear your word clearly with great clarity today. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Well, you know, in life there are some things that tend to go really well together like peanut butter and jelly. Come on, somebody. So I'm going to engage you just a little bit today. I need some audience participation, and first service did so great, but I think you can be a little bit louder this morning. 
I'm going to name a person or a product, and I want you to state its counterpart as loudly as you can. All right, here we go. Bacon and eggs. eggs all right, this, one, this next one caused some confusion this morning, but I hope you'll get it. Milk and? Okay, so yeah, we heard a couple of different answers there. But Batman and? Now, if you're Southern, you know this one. Soup beans and? Come on, somebody. I, I figured I'd get an amen for that one. Macaroni and? French fries and ketchup. All right. So in the books of Acts, we read about these two ministry partners, Paul and Barnabas. And they're kind of like peanut butter and jelly. They just work well together. And so it's a bit shocking to me when I come up on Acts chapter 15 and read about a very sharp disagreement, so intense, in fact, that it causes these two men who work so well together to part ways, to go in different directions. And let me just ask you, have you ever had a relationship? I mean, think back to school or maybe in another church and you think, listen, you have this person, it's like a kindred spirit, and you say nothing will ever separate us. And today you find yourself rarely hearing from or reaching out to that man or woman. That can be a tragic thing when something happens that causes good friends to part ways. Well, as we unpack this text, I want to consider three parts, namely the problem, the process, and finally God's providence in the midst of all of this. And the Lord really moved in our early service today, and I'm expecting no less in this service. So I'll begin by just unpacking what the situation is. We'll look at the problem if you're taking notes. In the beginning of chapter 15, I want to give you a little backdrop here. We read that certain Pharisees, we call them Judaizers, were teaching that Gentile believers or non-Jews who were calling themselves Christians had to adhere to the entirety of the Jewish law, including circumcision, and other ceremonial laws in order to be saved. So here, think about this. These new believers, they're rejoicing in the fact that they're able to be brought in by the finished work of Jesus Christ into the family of God. They have felt like outsiders for so long, and they've been told, hey, you can be saved. You're saved by grace through, through faith in Christ, period. It's not by your works. It's not by you keeping the Mosaic law. It's not by you converting to Judaism. It's by Christ alone that you're saved. And they're rejoicing in this. They're celebrating in this. But, you know, somebody's always got to rain on your parade. Amen? There's always somebody that wants to kill your joy. That, that, that's kind of a buzzkill in your life. And this is what these Judaizers are doing. They're raining on their parade. And they're saying, actually, no, you know, it's great. Yeah, you can be brought into the family of God, but actually you have to follow the whole Mosaic law, which would have been an impossibility in a Gentile community. So Paul and Barnabas were part of this Jerusalem council, you'll read in chapter 15, that tackled this issue. And they together helped bring a formal stance on the salvation by grace alone doctrine. It was decided that in fact Gentiles do not have to convert to Judaism. That they are saved by grace through faith in Christ, period. Salvation comes through Christ's work alone. 
Well, now we find Paul and Barnabas in the city of Antioch. And they are celebrating this great victory. And they're ready to get on the road again. They can't wait for their next missionary endeavor, ministry endeavor. And these men, by the way, have worked so well together. And their desire is now to go and to retrace the steps of their first missionary journey where they would encourage and strengthen those converts. So here's what I want you to see. Paul and Barnabas agree on the mission. We need to go back. We need to disciple those people whom we led to the Lord. They agree on the mission. But there's some disagreement on the methodology on how they should accomplish this. Now I want to take you back to verse 37. It says, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So the dispute is over this man by the name of John Mark. Barnabas and Paul, I want to remind you, really complement one another. In the first century, names really meant something. It's not so much today, like people just combine names, kind of like Labradoodle, right? Like they just combine two names, like it doesn't mean anything. It's like, this sounds cool, it's unique. But in the first century, your name said something about you. And in Acts 4.36, the Bible tells us that Barnabas' real name is Joseph. But the apostles called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. Barnabas is an encourager. He's a relational man who really tends to see the best in people. Any encouragers in here? Are you grateful that you have a friend? I hope you have a friend who is an encourager. I'm thankful for this man right here on the front row, Nick, who is new to our church. He, he's so good about texting and about talking and, and, and you know, after the service and just, man, uh, lifting me up. It's an incredible, incredible thing to be an encourager. And I can look around the room and see so many encouragers in this place. We all need encouragers, amen? Now, Paul, on the other hand, is the intellectual, strong, type A, no-nonsense personality. And here's what I love about Paul and Barnabas. They kind of balance each other out. Do you have friends or, or other relationships that tend to balance you out? This is a good thing in, a, in a, a marriage relationship when husband and wife are not exactly the same, but they tend to balance each other out. You have a dreamer and you have somebody who tends to be more of a realist, right? So, so we, we need that in our lives. I was uh, Pastor Ben, our associate pastor. He's not here, so I can, uh, I can talk about him this morning. But he stopped by my office on uh, Friday, and we were talking, and I was deep in study, and I was mad at him for interrupting me. No. And uh, I, I, said, I said, Ben, I said, when I was going through this text, I just thought about the two of us. I said, we're kind of like Paul and Barnabas. Now, if you know Ben, he's like the nicest guy you will ever meet. Like, you could punch him in the face, and he will hug you. All right? <laughs> Like, he's just so nice. He's just a, you know, cuddly kind of guy. And, like, he's, he's just, man, he's, he's just such an encourager. Now, me, I'd like to tend to think that I can be nice, but I'm a little more like Paul. I, I'm a no-nonsense kind of guy. 
and uh, I'm a strong type A leader. I mean, I just want to get the job done. And I told Ben, I said, I am so grateful that the two of us are here together. I think it, we balance one another out. And this is kind of the way that Paul and Barnabas work together. And you know what? It's all right to be different. Isn't it great that God made us diverse? We can complement one another and we can, we can accomplish so much more because of our differences. So there's this man now by the name of John Mark, who, by the way, is Barnabas' cousin. So this is the cousin of the encourager. And he wants to come along on this journey to assist Paul and Barnabas. So now you have Paul, the strong, type A, no-nonsense man, you read his epistles, he seems kind of grumpy at times. Even I know these are inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he just, he's just a matter of fact. And Paul wants to leave John Mark behind. He says, not on your life will he accompany us. Why? Because John Mark had deserted them on their first missionary journey. Now, we don't know why. We don't know why John Mark abandoned these men, but maybe it was homesickness. Maybe he wasn't cut out for the mission field. Maybe he feared for his life. Maybe he got ill. I don't know. But here's what we do know. Paul considered it desertion. And Paul thought this trip was too important to put it in the hands of John Mark, somebody who was very precarious, somebody who who you couldn't count on by Paul's viewpoint. But then you have Barnabas on the other hand. And Barnabas is just the nice encourager. And he says, oh, come on. It's my cousin, man. Give him a second chance. He's grown. He's changed. I promise you. How many of you ever heard that? Come on. He's changed. He's changed. Give him another chance. Apparently, he's seen this kind of growth in John Mark. And he believes he can be an asset. None of, neither of these men's minds are changed on the issue when they talk it out. It actually becomes this very intense, emotionally charged. The Greek language here is very intense. It's a conflict between two friends. And there we have the problem. And by the way, this problem causes them to part ways. So now let's look at the process, number two. How do they resolve this? Remember, this is a disagreement on methodology. It's not owing to sin. It's not a conflict that's happening because of something that one or the other has done. I want to point out first that the conflict was not swept under the rug. I know some of you may think that the noble thing to do when you have conflict with someone is to just kind of ignore it, but that's not the Bible way. Now, I'm not saying, suggesting that we should be petty and every little thing that bothers us, you know, we, we don't have to address it. But when there is an issue that you are passionate about, when you have a passionate disagreement, If you do not talk about it, what's going to happen? It's going to build, it's going to grow, it's going to fester, and you will end up despising that other person when you could possibly work it out through conversation. Paul, think about this, could have just kept his mouth shut and allowed John Mark to come along. But the whole trip, he would have expected John Mark to bail. He would have been bitter, upset, and oh, why did Barnabas want to bring him again? Barnabas could have acquiesced and said, you know what, uh, you're fine. Barnabas isn't going to go. But he would have been bitter. This is his family. How many know you don't mess with family, right? 
and he would have been very upset and bitter in the end. So I would just challenge you, don't sweep conflict under the rug in any relationship. You know what? Paul and, and Barnabas here, they have it out, and that's okay. Sometimes, how many know we just need to have it out? We need to speak the truth in love, but there's times we need to have it out. And this tells me that even the most committed Christians disagree sometimes. Listen, if you're looking for the perfect church where you'll find no disagreement, you will not find it. Because this is an imperfect world. It is a broken world. And just by virtue of you being here, by virtue of me being here, that means we're going to have issues because we're imperfect. Come on, somebody, right? If you found the perfect church and you joined it, it would no longer be perfect. All right? Just saying. Now, let me ask a question. Who is right in this situation? I don't think we have a clear answer from Scripture if Paul is right or if Barnabas is correct in his thinking. But it seems from verse 40 that the church may have, it's not crystal clear, but may have sided with Paul at least in his decision to part ways and bring on Silas as his ministry partner. But regarding John Mark, I don't know who is clearly right or wrong. Sometimes in church, when it comes to methodology, when it comes to how we work out what God is doing in us, how we, how we choose to minister, sometimes there's not a right way and a wrong way. There's just different ways. And I would think through Richmond this morning, there are many different churches doing ministry in di many different ways and as long as they're Bible-believing churches and they're not doing anything that would uh, be contrary to the Word of God, I think it's a beautiful thing because those churches can reach people that maybe I cannot reach with my methodology. And so here is where the disagreement is. And Paul and, and Silas, they actually decide, or excuse me, Paul and Barnabas decide to part ways. But here's what I love. They part ways, but ministry continues. Don't let a disagreement with somebody, don't let a broken relationship stop what God is doing in your life. I want you to look at verse 39 with me. It says, Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul and Barnabas agree to disagree and they go their separate ways, but they're both strengthening churches. They're both strengthening churches. And you know what's happened so many times? We're scared to let people go. We are scared to, to let people go. You know what we think sometimes? We think our destiny is connected to somebody else. Now, I'm not suggesting that you walk away from people over every little thing that happens. That's a tragic thing when Christians part ways. But listen, and I believe that we should try everything we can to work together, to work things out, to reconcile. But there are times, not owing to sin, there are times that you and I might have disagreement and it might be that we actually can't get on the same page and we need to part ways. But you know what I've learned in 20 years of ministry? That my destiny is not connected to you and your destiny is not connected to me. Sometimes I, there, there's, a, there's a clip 
that from T.D. Jakes on YouTube that I'll listen every time somebody leaves my church. And it's, it's this. It's an encouraging clip. It says this. If people want to walk, I'll try to do it in my T.D. Jakes voice, all right? If people want to walk, <laughs> let them walk. Amen. Y'all supposed to come on get excited like his church. Make me feel like I'm preaching somebody. If people want to walk, let them walk. Because here's what happens to me when somebody walks away from my church because they don't like the methodology, because they have issue with the way something is done. I'm brokenhearted, I'm shattered, and I take it personal. And sometimes I feel like my story is over. But aren't you thankful that your destiny isn't connected to somebody else? It alone rests in the arms of Jesus Christ. Amen? You've got to sometimes be willing to cut ties and let God move you in a different direction. I love that they part ways, but the ministry continues to go on. Listen, don't let disagreements, don't let loss totally take you out. Don't let conflict stop you from ministering. Many people have been hurt over church conflict and they've thrown in the towel. Do not do this. Do not do this. Get back up. Allow the Lord to pick you up by His grace. He's got things for you. He's still got plans for you. He's got a plan for your life. When you have a disagreement, talk it out. But if you can't come to terms, sometimes... This is tragic, but it's necessary to part ways. I want to talk thirdly about God's providence in all of this. Sometimes we're going through situations and we feel as if God were a million miles away. I'm not suggesting that God is the cause of disagreement here. But what we could deem as a bad situation turns out actually to work for the good of the church and for the glory of God. We see a situation that might look dark. We see tough situations and we think, man, this cannot be of the Lord. There's no way God can bring me through this. But you know what I've learned from the Bible and from experience? That even in our worst times, what we would perceive as our worst times, God is still at work and His plans, His ultimate plans and purposes cannot be thwarted. The Word of God supersedes even bad decisions. The will of God supersedes every mistake. Proverbs 19.21 says this, Many are the plans in the mind of man, but watch this. It's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Don't think you can thwart the plans of God. And I know, Job 42.2 says this, I know that you can do all things, Job's talking to the Lord, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. This is reassuring to me because I have made mistakes in my life where I felt like, man, I've botched this so badly that there is no way the Lord could turn this around. But how many know He makes a way where there seems to be no way? Amen? He'll make a stream in the desert. I just want to encourage somebody today. I'm not just talking about relational conflict. I'm talking about mistakes in general. Anybody ever make a mistake in here? 
Listen, I believe prophetically today that there are people in here today that you have really recently made huge mistakes or a huge mistake and you are thinking like this, my story is over, I've messed it up. God's never, never going to be able to turn this around. But I want you to know that our God is bigger than that. Friends, He's bigger than your mistake. He's bigger than your problem. He's bigger than your situation. I look back over my life, friends, and I look at the most dreary, dark times. And I thought, God is not in this. There's no way He can turn this around. When I came to this church, it was hurt, it was broken. Attendance was way down, and my first year was a nightmare here. I've been here four years now. It was a nightmare. And we were losing people left and right. And I thought, I've missed God. Lord, I was sure that you called me here. And I almost walked away. I remember making phone calls, going, you know what, maybe I'll just get back in the secular world and, and work. Maybe I'll just do ministry on the side or whatever. Maybe pastoring isn't for me. Maybe I've missed God. And I made some really bad mistakes in my first year here that I thought I would never be able to overcome. But today, I look, we've gone to two services. We're a healthy church. People tend to get along. And I just say, look what the Lord has done. I'm just sitting in my office thinking, looking back where I thought I would be, and I'm grateful that God had something bigger and better than I could ever dream up. And friends, here's the great news. We're just getting started. This is just the beginning of something great. Hallelujah. And you look in your life right now and you may say, oh, there's no way God could work. This relationship has been botched. This, you know, this person abandoned me. My home has been destroyed. My, I lost my job. Well, I'm telling you, look up. Look up. Look to the hills to where, from where your help comes from. Look to the Lord, the one who made the heavens and the earth. The one who can redeem any, yes, any situation. If you have breath today, and I hope you all do, your story is not over. He's a redeemer. He's a reconciler. He's an awesome God, and your story is not done. I want you to consider quickly how the Lord worked through this situation in our text. One, Paul lost Barnabas, but Silas became a great ministry partner to him. And often I have learned that when you experience loss in your life, that God often replaces that. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And often the replacement is better than what you had to begin with. Pastor Kent Hughes writes this about Silas. He says, Silas brought to Paul's ministry some ingredients that Barnabas did not have. He was a Roman citizen. He was a prophet. He probably spoke Greek, amongst many other things that he added to Paul's ministry. Barnabas simply didn't have. When people step out of your life, be assured if you continue to walk with the Lord, He will give you the people you need to accomplish what He wants you to do. I've learned this. I've been heartbroken. I've had people, I've had leadership walk out on me with no warning. I get a letter with no explanation. Friends, that is heart 
heartbreaking. But you know what I've learned? When one, I don't want anybody to leave, by the way. This is not, please don't take this from this message, all right? <laughs> Clarification. But here's what I've learned. I'll be heartbroken over somebody leaving, leaving, and God will send four people to replace them that have the same skill set or better, more encouraging, more faithful, more giving. It's incredible. We just got to trust the Lord. Not only did Paul get Silas, but he also got Timothy, who replaced John Mark. I'm going to draw your attention quickly to Acts chapter 16 and verse 1. Acts chapter 16 and verse 1. It says this. This is continuation of what we're reading. Paul also came to Derbe and Lystra. And the disciple was there named Timothy, a name familiar to many of you. The son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him to be circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And they went on their way through the cities. They delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith. Hallelujah. And they increased in numbers daily. There's the result of conflict. There's God working in conflict. Surely Paul had to reflect on his loss with Barnabas. But in the midst of it, God provided not only Silas, but now Timothy. And Timothy evidently was saved under Paul's first missionary journey and becomes a spiritual son to him. He calls him in 1 Corinthians. So I'll just say this again. Keep your head up in the midst of struggle. Don't get downtrodden. Jesus said this. If you're burdened and heavy laden, he said, come to me and I will give you rest. You see God's providence at work in all this, what people thought may have been for harm, all this is going to destroy the church, actually work for the church is good. What about John Mark? This is so interesting. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. By the way, this is at the end of Paul's life. He is on death row. And when you're on death row, you want to talk to the people who matter most to you. This, is, this blows my mind. Listen to who Paul asks for. He's writing Timothy and he says this, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark. He's talking about John Mark. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful for me. To me for ministry. Perhaps the conflict between Paul and Barnabas that John Mark, in, in a sense, caused made him grow up a little bit, made him change a little bit. Here's what we know for sure John Mark became useful again. So if you're the John Mark, the one who abandoned, <laughs> listen, your story's not over either. And I love this picture. I love this picture. Even though Paul and Barnabas parted ways, even though Paul and John Mark parted ways and had some disagreement in the end, bitterness did not take hold of their hearts. There was reconciliation. First Corinthians, it, it seems from that text that Paul and Barnabas resolved their differences as well. And friends, I'll just tell you, even when you part ways, if you've left the church before, if you've walked away from somebody, an individual before, don't let bitterness overtake your heart because it'll destroy your future relationships too. It'll destroy your future churches as well. 
let it go. Offer grace in hope in the end for reconciliation. I think that's what the Lord wants. Ultimately, what came out of all this? It's interesting when you read on through Acts from this point. Paul was led to go in a different direction. And he was actually led to go west into Europe. Which, by the way, is why we're here today. Because the gospel made it west. So something that looked so horrid to a lot of people. Here's this conflict that's going to destroy the church again. Actually, God turned it around and used it for even our good today. Isn't that amazing? Because of this conflict. Isn't that? God just blows my mind. It's incredible. And so again, I challenge you today to not be downtrodden, to not be despondent because of decisions you made, because of conflict in your life. Work through it. Let it go. Allow God to pull you back up. Watch Him work in your life. And here's what I really believe in faith, that you will look back years from now at this time that you may feel is so dark and you'll say, you know what? That's the thing God used to get my family back on track. That's the thing that God used to awaken my heart. That's the thing that God used to, to restore my ministry. It's incredible what the Lord does. Wherever you're at, good times, bad times, if you'll listen to the Lord, He will lead you. Life can be confusing, can it? But the Lord will lead you. I'll close with this, the words to this hymn. There is a, a, a song that came to mind when I was preparing this and I was thankful. As I thought back over my life, I'm thankful for the leading of the Lord even in the darkest times and how He turns those things around. This old hymn, it says this. I, I, I love these words. He leadeth me. Oh, blessed thought. Isn't that a blessed thought that the Lord leads us? Oh, words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whatever I do, wherever I be. Do you hear that? Whatever you do, wherever you are. Whatever I do, wherever I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Don't we serve a God of grace? Your story's not over. Would you stand with me? As the praise team comes, we're going to sing the song, I Give Myself Away, one more time. And I hope today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you're here today as your personal Lord and Savior, I pray that you would look to Him, that you would call upon Him, that you would believe in His death and burial and resurrection. I pray that you would repent of your sin and that you would call upon the Lord to save you. If you're broken today, that's the starting point. There's no re being repaired without Christ. You cannot get to God yourself. He, the one, he is the reconciler. Okay, the greatest conflict you have if you do not know Jesus is your conflict with God. I know we don't like to talk about that, but our sin separates us from God. So if you are not in Christ today, if you are not a Christian today, I'm not talking about somebody just who goes to church. If you are not in Christ today, 
then you're in conflict with the maker of heaven and earth. And that is a dreadful place to be. And the bad news is this. You actually can't do anything in and of your own strength to make that relationship right. But thank God for Jesus Christ who came to do for us what we could never in a million lifetimes do for ourselves. That's the gospel. That's the good news. It's what Paul and Barnabas were telling the Gentiles. No, you can't make yourself right by the law. You come to Jesus Christ and you can be saved by virtue of what He's already done. Hallelujah. So if that's you today and you don't know Jesus, I invite you to come in just a moment. And I'd love to pray with you. Call upon the Lord today. But assuming that I'm talking to mainly Christians this morning, if that is you today where you maybe are in a really dark time, it may be your fault, it may not be, but whatever the reason, you find yourself in a very confusing stage of life and you're feeling brokenness today, I want to invite you to come and have prayer today. I hope you leave here. You may have come in with your head down, your head low, but I hope you leave in victory today with it raised saying, Oh, God's not done with me yet. Your story is not over. I'd love to pray with you. If you need healing in your body, if you have uh, uh, any kind of prayer need, you want to pray for somebody else, these altars are open. Here's the way we've been doing it. If you want me to leave you alone and you want to pray, just come to the altar. You come to this side. You want to speak with me. You want somebody to pray with you. You come to this side. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing, and you come. Lord, I believe you're working on hearts this morning. Thank you that you're a God of second chances. Thank you that you're a God of restoration. Thank you that you're a God of redemption. Thank you that you're a God of reconciliation. Lord, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would begin to move on the hearts of your people and draw them to you. Make your will for their lives clearly known to them and to me. Lord, we're hungry for you. We're desperate for you. We pray for revival in our hearts, that we would not be discouraged about what's going on around us. But God, I pray that we would seek you with all of our hearts today. Minister, Lord, in a way that only you can do. We ask it in Jesus' good name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.